Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Hour. Welcome in uh, Reno on this Thursday. Silver Sevens is the site getting ready for Thursday night football. John Von Tobel is here back in our Finley Toyota studios. It's already busy hour on the way. We're going to talk to uh, Nathan Chow later in the hour. He's the uh, host on the Reno Slant. So we'll get into some of what's going on with the pack on the football front. Season's over, but a little review of Ken Wilson's first season. Alford. And company off to a good start. And also, I really want the Reno slant on UNLV in some ways hitting the restart button. So there's got to be a strong reaction in northern Nevada to that. Uh, Brad Powers coming up, leans, likes, and college football title game bets. That'll be around 444, like exactly 444. We got Thursday night football on the way. Once the game starts here at Silver Sevens, this is good for all NFL games, but after kickoff, Beers, Bud, Bud Light, and Michelob Ultra are just 77 cents. Let's get to our big four at four. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the big four at four. Number four. So a couple hours ago, we opened the show talking about how excited both of us were for the field of 12, the 12-team tournament in college football. I've been waiting for this for literally 40 years. People are like, how old are you? I remember back as a preteen loving sports and wondering why they didn't have playoffs in college football and you could be the number two team in the country and maybe you didn't play for the national title you'd be playing a team in a bowl game well yeah there'd be matchups where the number two team would go to this bowl game against sometimes a team at least do that huh nope not even one against i know it seems right how ridiculous that that's why the bcs was actually an improvement right like getting a one and two in and that the bcs was more about bowls they actually got the one and two together starting in the mid-90s. But no, there were split national champions because teams didn't play each other. It was stupid. So now we've got an expanded field, just like we have an FCS, right? Oh, college football can't do it. FCS has done it forever. Now we got it with FBS. That's freaking cool. So I saw a really interesting question about the auto bid. At least one group of five team, the highest-ranked team, will get an auto bid into the field of 12. And this one comes out of Boise, where you know the Boise fans believe they're the elite program in the group of five. They also believe that they should be one of the first choices to go to the Pac-12 in spite of being marketed, whatever it is, 90 to 110. So the question from a reporter, and it's a good question. It's a good discussion. The question about uh, this new college football world in a couple of years, someone said, uh, Boise State fans, with the news of the 12-team playoff, would you rather have Boise jump to a Power 5 conference or stay in the Mountain West and have an easier path to the playoff? I'm not going to argue with that. It is an easier path. What's your answer on that? <laughs> That's my answer. Are you serious? The arrogance of this question. Let's see. You said so the auto bid goes to the highest, uh, let's see, group of five, correct? Let's see. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. Oh, look, there's not a number next to Boise State's team this year, is there? Enough. Okay, and you know what, to be honest with you, it's not even posing the question. It's the arrogance of, we have our choice here. Which one are we going to take? I haven't seen any reports of you that Pac-12's chomping at the bit to, or a Power 5 conference is chomping at the bit to go and get Boise State. I haven't seen anything like that. In fact, I was just going to say, I've seen one Mountain West school tied to a Power 5 conference. It was San Diego State. 
right. wasn't Boise State. I'm not even sure it is an easier path when you think about it. There's only one spot. Right. There's only one spot. If you go to a Power 5, like if they were to go to the, to a weekend Pac-12 or a so-so Big 12, you could be the third team in that conference and get into a field of 12. And here's the other thing. And he did address it to Boise State fans, and I guess that means Boise State sports fans. So I'm a good person to ask this question to because I went to Rutgers. The audience knows that. I talk about it all the time. But it's, you know, we compare and contrast the struggles of programs when they don't win. Well, they got invited to the table. So in a couple of years, they're going to be part of that mix, like USC and UCLA, where they get $100 million. By the way, for folks who are like, what do you mean a couple of years? They've been in the Big Ten. Well, they haven't gotten the full share because right. when they signed up with Maryland, the rest of the conference screwed them, and they're like, we'll gradually give you the money. Why, why don't those schools win? Well, they're not getting all the money. But you would much rather have the payout of 40 60 80 $100 million. Why? Because for me, it's not all about sports. I'm better than you media guy who's posing that I'm not but it's about improving the whole school because that money might lead to lots of success in sports but what it certainly leads to is more attention more applicants more money for the school uh, better education for the kids uh, more kids getting into school more facilities not just sports the entire school benefits from that and guess who else benefits from it in the case of Boise the state of Idaho or right. in my case, the state of New Jersey, or for UNLV, the state of Nevada. So I have a little bit there. Like, I love sports, but sports isn't everything. You want the freaking money. And, you know, something else that's very that's kind of interesting, too. Like, as an example, in the Big Ten, the Big Ten operates sort of as an educational collective. And, you know, if your particular school, whether it's Penn State or Maryland or Rutgers or Michigan or Iowa or Wisconsin, if your school doesn't have – what a student needs, there's a good chance that you can actually just go to one of the other schools where they have that expertise. So there's I, I can't even name all the benefits here in the next 40, whatever we have, 55 minutes that you get from being at that table. And by the way, there is no guarantee Group of Five is at the table forever. Because well, guess what? The SEC and the Big Ten could decide to go to 24 teams, and then Boise and UNLV, anyone who's stuck behind in a Group of Five, this is the current situation. It doesn't mean that they could change the situation five years from now, and guess what? All 12 teams are from freaking – or actually, eight of the 12 are from the SEC and the Big Ten, and Group of Five ain't even invited. Nope. If you have a chance to get to the table for all the reasons they named and an uncertain future, you get to the freaking Power Five table. Money solves everything, my friend. I'd rather it, be cer on, it certainly helps. I, I'd rather be on the side of money. Number three. You know what's more important than money, John? Good health. Is that a good transition? What's going on with my guy Lonzo Ball? Where is he? I think this is the saddest story of the NBA. And you get it, obviously, updates all the time coming out of Chicago, but it's not really covered uh, quite a bit. So Lonzo Ball hasn't played since about halfway through last season. He suffered a knee injury last year. And at the time he suffered it, it seemed like one that was going to keep him out for some time. But, you know, uh, all right, miss some time, come back by the time the season comes to an end. But we still haven't seen him on the court yet. And he reportedly regressed a little bit before the season started. And just recently, I think it was Wednesday, uh, Billy Donovan, Bulls head coach, was actually asked about Ball and what his recovery has looked like. And uh, Donovan described the process as, quote, really slow. Also said Ball is still experiencing pain. Just walking, doing things, not anywhere close to being cleared for basketball activities. I, I think that is, that's terrible, one, because you don't want to see any guy whose career is derailed by injuries. But also a guy like Lonzo Ball, 
who got off like kind of a eh, start, you know, with the Los Angeles Lakers when he was drafted, but clearly emerged once he got traded as one of the better young players of his draft class and of his era, we'll call it, uh, as one of the better young players. Awesome on-ball defender, dude who had improved his shooting exponentially, and now he can't get on the floor. He's not running, jumping, cutting, nothing, because he still has pain in that knee. That sucks, man. That's really sad. And we both really like him as a player, and I right. like his family story. I know people thought it was obnoxious, but there's no reason to root against a guy to the point where you don't want him to play. And he is a good player, I, and he's young. He is young. I hope he gets through this, and I hope it's soon. But, yeah, not good news. Top two stories. Number two. We love the new media because sometimes players will tell other players and maybe off-the-radar new media some stuff that they would never say to traditional media. What's up with Pat Peterson? So Patrick Peterson um, – has a podcast that he does. I think it's an offshoot of uh, CBS and uh, what he has in terms of his deal, but he does it with the Bryant McFadden, and he was talked about. Uh, he was talking about the Arizona Cardinals. If you remember, Patrick Peterson, former Arizona Cardinal, of course, and uh, they bring up Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury and what is happening there, and Patrick Peterson drops a nugget and an insight on his former team and former quarterback. Verbally now, vocally, Kyler Murray is talking about, and, and I don't like how he's doing that. I think he should keep some things privately but it tells me he doesn't care about the head coach his head coach and he's putting everything on the head coach basically saying Kyler Murray don't care about nobody but Kyler Murray <laughs> that's just a matter of the fact well well yeah well I, I gotta <laughs> so, <laughs> I, hey I can't I can't argue that I don't know him personally you played with him for a few years so I gotta take your word for it uh, that is the All Things Covered podcast, by the way. It is a CBS Sports hosted podcast. But yikes! When you leave someone speechless, <laughs> right? They're like, That's... "Wait, did you just say that as a former player about a player who's in his mid twenties?" And here's the thing, right? And this is why I, I love this. We've talked about new media all the time, uh, and, and the fact that players are like, "No, no, no, we are going to start to like put our footprint here because we deserve the stories to be told the way we want them to be told." Yeah, sure, but sometimes Let's do it. Sometimes you guys are just humans just like us, and guys like Patrick Peterson fall into the trap and they want to make some noise. So what do they do? They completely throw guys under the bus by saying Kyler Murray doesn't care about anything but Kyler Murray, and now it's a story. What's the fallout? Um, well, Murray has responded a little bit um, and essentially said you can't do this, and he put big bro in quotes. So I'm assuming that Patrick Peterson maybe dropped that at some point with him, talking about, hey, big, I'm your big bro. I'll take you under my wing type deal. Um, but you can't throw this big bro stuff out there and talk to me about being a mentor and then completely throw me under the bus just for clicks and views on your podcast, which is true. But I think I think the dynamic of just this whole new media thing and more and more athletes getting involved, they want to say that, hey, this is the way our story should be told. Sure, but sometimes you get guys who are going to keep going down this path. I, it's a really interesting dynamic because McFadden was speechless about a current player saying that about a guy who used to play for. Number one. So I have a lot of favorite shows that I listen to. I like sports talk, right? Haven't lost any passion for it. And I like our Fox station, right? I like what's on ESPN Las Vegas as well, but I've talked about this often. I listen to a lot of Fox Sports Radio nationally, which we play locally on 1340 and 98.9 FM. Doug Gottlieb show is very good. Colin Coward is top of the heap. So Coward had a trade suggestion that he's been discussing. And normally you're like, ah, you know, typical sports talk radio. This is going to be just stupid. It's not going to happen. There's two teams out there that seem, well, there's a lot of teams, but there's two teams out there that seem to have some issues to work through with their $200 million plus quarterbacks. 
Cardinals and Kyler Murray, right? Maturity issues. And Russell Wilson and the Broncos. What would you do on either side if the other team called up and goes, swap? Like with each other? Yep, straight up. Kyler Murray for Russell Wilson. I, I started to think about it. I'm like, both sides might entertain the thought because they, they, they seen their guy, in the case of the Broncos, early on you're like, what do we do here? And then you're also looking at financial inflexibility for years on an older dude. The Cardinals are kind of built to win in a lot of ways now. They have some older players. And are they ever going to get through to Kyler Murray? I mean, I guess the solution is they're going to have to get rid of Kingsbury because it ain't right. working. Is it outlandish for either side to actually look at this and go, you know what? It fixes our problem here, and we'll take our chance on that other guy. Uh, I don't think it's outlandish for Denver to reach out and try to do it. I think if you're Arizona, I'm telling Denver to kick rocks. Yeah. I don't want a 34-year-old that I'm paying that much money who's on a decline, clearly on a and, decline. And Denver traded a lot in the deal. They can't throw picks in. Correct. They can't really. Really, you're that down on Russell Wilson. You you, well, yeah, you, not, you think this is it's, – it's, I'm not saying he's – ins- Is it completely a Wilson problem or is it a Hackett issue? Well, I think it's partly – And a, a roster re- issue too because there ain't a lot of offensive talent around him. I mean, there was at the beginning of the year. They got beat up really bad by injury as the year went along, but like there were, I'm not saying they were rife with talent. Devontae Williams, yes, the wide receivers I never thought were, I never thought that was a loaded wide receiver. Court. I'm not saying it's loaded, but to act like it was barren. I mean, Jerry Judy had some talent and everything there, but regardless, I think Kyler Murray's just younger, and that to me is the biggest factor. I think I'd be interested in if I were the Cardinals. I, I, I'm taking Patrick Peterson on his word. I think Murray is very selfish right now and has maturity issues. Big four at four. Brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Call from anywhere in the state of Nevada. That means Reno or Las Vegas, 766-1400. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Yep, Reno's in the house, Las Vegas. We got Thursday Night Football coming up. Good one, AFC East matchup. John Von Tobel's here. It's Cofield. Wanted to get an update on... uh, how pack football is feeling and the start of the season for basketball also a little arroyo and what the folks up north think about unlv football right now and uh, nathan chout is up with us from the reno slant how you doing buddy hey steve i'm doing well uh, a little j- bit. good to hear from you yeah I'm, I'm glad you're chiming in and we want to get you on more often now that we're on uh, up in uh, reno so i wanted to get a review of the the season and also the effort uh on the football side in the cannon game uh, what do you think of the performance? What do you think of the coaching job by Wilson? They came damn close to winning, so I don't know if that is enough of a positive to kind of wipe out what was a disappointing season. Oh, boy. Yeah, I mean, we all knew this season was going to be a step back, and even last year was a pretty big disappointment in General Bell's last year. We knew this year was going to be a step back. I don't think any of us knew it was going to be this big of a step back, and even if they'd found a way to pull it out on Saturday, does that really change the outlook of this offseason? I don't know. I mean, obviously, you win the rivalry game. Um, you feel a little better. It was a bit of a pillow fight, it felt like, at times in that game. So I would say morale is awfully low. Even if you win that game, I don't know how great you're feeling because we came into the season, again, knowing that I was going to take a slick, and there were some things you wanted to see. You wanted to see some establishment of an identity you wanted to see some sort of establishment at the quarterback position. We're going to have something to latch on to going into the offseason. And as far as I'm concerned, we didn't get any of that. You know, Nate Cox is the senior coming in this year, coming back from 
the group last year. You know, he was he was a fun kid. He was six nine. He could run, but didn't bring a whole lot of juice to the offense. And you have Shane Illingworth, the kid coming in from Oklahoma State, the sophomore, and you thought, okay, maybe he will be the guys who can take control of the job. And they really were interchangeable this year in terms of impact. And Nate Cox ended up finishing the year because Illingworth got hurt. So frustrating end to it was a frustrating season. It was it was really a it was really representative of, representative of the whole season for Nevada. It was you saw a little bit at times, but ultimately just just really not enough in terms of a talent perspective. So, do you think is that a symptom of the situation that Ken Wilson was handed, or is that a coaching thing? Like, why, why do you think you come away from this season feeling that way? Yeah, I mean, it's always never typically not one thing or the other. I think it's a little bit of both, but man. Ken Wilson, in his first head coaching gig, was dealt an awfully difficult hand. I mean, Nevada's already a resource-strapped program, and Jerry Norvell was able to build up the talent pool a little bit in his time, and he had a few NFL guys last year in Romeo Dobbs, now at the Packers, Cole Turner in Washington, and Carson Strong, who was getting mentioned as the number one overall pick at QB and then got hurt and just hasn't panned out for him. So it took Jane Norvell a few years. Then he goes to Colorado State, and you know, ironically, one of the things that Jay Norvell really positioned himself as was really a man of character, a man of integrity, leave a place better than you found it. He goes to Colorado State and brings everyone with him. Players, coaches, I mean, this program got stripped. And then you look at um, Doug Newth, the AD, got fired. This wasn't just a football team rebuild. This was an athletic department rebuild, and Ken Wilson was trying to figure that out in his first year. So it was tough to hold too much of this season really against him. They got off to that nice little 2-0 start, and you're like, hey, maybe they can scratch and plow out the schedule and, and get their way to six wins, and that obviously uh, did not happen. They got beat by Incarnate Word, FCS team pretty badly at home, and then the wheels fell off from there. So I don't know if anyone's really going to hold too much of this season against him. Now we know how short leashes are in college football. We don't have to tell Marcus Arroyo about that. But Nevada is just not a position where it can be really picky right now because it doesn't have a lot of money, doesn't have a lot of resources. There's not a lot of talent in that locker room right now. And so Ken Wilson in your first head coaching gig, uh, go get him, but he's got his work cut out. Yeah, I liked uh, mostly the way he coached the Cannon game. I even I got a kick out of the uh, pun intended, the, the onside kick triumph, 13 nothing. You know, really go for the jugular. I did not understand – the flip to a wide receiver uh, running, a, I guess it was kind of a reverse. And then Nate Cox, he, he is an interesting guy, but my God, he's so inconsistent. He's delivering these great passes and then whiffs, basically, you know, screws up the, uh, the flip backwards. What do you think yeah. about how he coached the game? I mean, he, he knows what he has from a talent perspective, and it's going to take a little bit of smoke and mirrors, not like UNLV was a world beater down the stretch this year either, but Nevada wasn't going to line up and beat a lot of teams one-on-one, whether it be UNLV, whether it be Boise State, or whether it be Fresno State. So whatever, I mean, I give him credit for, for trying to get creative. Obviously, it didn't pan out. He looks a lot better if, if those plays happen, but I didn't leave that game thinking, man, they really butchered that. I think the one thing that really upset a, a number of Nevada fans was the final possession. I mean, a lot of us thought the game was over when UNLV goes up two scores with six minutes left the way the offense was going. Like, hey, that's it. And so credit to the guys for battling back and getting a spot where they could have won the game. But that final possession at the goal line, 
You have Toa Tawa, who is a legacy Nevada guy. His brother was on that infamous 2010 Nevada team that beat Boise when they were the number three team in the country. He's been there for four years, four or five years. He's a senior. Final game, playing UNLV. You have a chance to have really a storybook ending for him and get him into the end zone. And his final touch in a Nevada uniform is to beat Nevada or beat UNLV, keep the cannon blue. And they go to him once, he gets the one yard touch, and you have the two incomplete passes on third and fourth to end the game. So that was, from my perspective, one of the bigger misses. But the rest of it, like trying to get creative, trying to steal possessions, I think that's him really just knowing what he had. Yeah, I also say I didn't love the uh, the clock management. I thought they uh, kind of peed away a lot of the clock, uh, even on the um, second possession before the end of the game. They could have had some more time at the end. All right, well, let's uh, let's get your reaction. I'm sure Northern Nevada uh, may have been surprised that, hey, uh, the Pack lose the game and then Marcus Arroyo's fired before he gets year four. What would you think? Uh, up in Reno, we're kind of used to that. Uh, it was Brian Pullian, his last game on the Nevada sideline, he beat UNLV and then got fired after, man, I can't remember now, three or four years, and that opened the door to Dan Orvell uh, coming to, to Reno. From, I mean, I, am I surprised by that? I wasn't anticipating it. I mean, you know, they get to, to five and seven, and they're waiting on a MAC game to see if they can get into a bowl for the first time in forever. And I was looking back at past seasons, I think it was since 2017, that you know, they got to five wins. And you look at how the season started, for the Rebs, they're they're four and one. They're two and zero in conference. They're feeling awful good about things, and then Brumfield gets hurt, and that obviously changes things. And then he came back, and there are a number of close games for UNLV. I think it was three straight one possession losses going into that Nevada game. But you look at that Nevada game, and this Nevada team was there's no way around it. I just try to pick my words somewhat wisely this year. This Nevada team was horrible this year, and. Nevada really outplayed UNLV for a lot of that game. You look at a lot of the stats, it was some Nate Cox turnovers that ended up being huge kind of swinging points in, in that game. And looking at what UNLV football has been for really the length of, of UNLV football, to give Arroyo three years, one of them being the COVID year, it felt like an awfully quick leash um, and Eric Harper, I know he's been at UNLV for nine years. I don't know how involved he was in hiring Arroyo um, from Oregon. Maybe he wants his guy in there. I'm, I'm, again, I'm, you'd be more versed as I as the internal politics with uh, UNLV athletics. But it felt like an awfully quick, quick leash. But we, we've seen, as I mentioned, we, we saw Polian get fired after beating UNLV in his final game too. So it's not a that sense isn't that surprising. He's the host of the Reno Slant, joining Cofield and Company. It's Nathan Chout. With us here, we got about 90 seconds left. I did want to get a comment on the start for the pack in basketball. Steve Alford's team, uh, I would assume most people in northern Nevada are pleasantly surprised by the 7-on-1 start. What do you think? Oh, no, we all we all predicted this. You picked the finish ninth <laughs> in preseason poll, and here they are, 7-on-1. No, it's been, uh, it's been nice to feel good about a Nevada team because it's been about a year and a half of just pure frustration and letdown in Reno. And I did want to give some love to the Vegas kid. Darian Williams from Gorman has been a huge surprise. I think him and Keenan Blackshear, one of the bigger surprises on this year's team. I mean, he's just been spectacular, almost nine points and eight boards per game. He's been the team's leading rebounder. He started a number of games. You never know what you're going to get as a true freshman. 
uh, from a true freshman. He's been sensational. And now you've got Reno fans, of course, or fans in Reno, talking NCAA tournament and losing their minds. We've got to pump our brakes a little bit. But it's been a very refreshing and really needed start for Steve Alford because it was starting to get, starting to get warm for him. It's been brutal the first kind of three years of that 10-year contract. Uh, before I, we uh, let you out of here, tell people where they can uh, find the slant. Appreciate that. Yeah, the, the RainoSlant.com, if you want to check it out. We do a ton of betting stuff, obviously, a lot of Nevada, all Nevada. Um, anywhere you find podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, there's a million of them now. And we publish episodes every Wednesday night. Thank you. We appreciate you stepping up on short notice. We'll talk to you. All right, yeah, you take care. Nevada 7-1, UNLV 7-0. Packer actually higher in Ken Palm. Slightly. Yeah. 85 versus... 89 for UNLV. Uh, by the way, Alford needed this kind of start because oh, yeah. they signed him to a monstrous, lengthy contract. And after three years, you're like, what? I'm, I'm not saying this. Um, I think he's a good coach, and I think he's a dangerous coach. And I think they've shown that staff how quickly, because they lost everyone. They lost, they lost most, you know, they lost Cambridge. They lost their elite point guard in, in Shurfield, Washington, left as well. Um, now, part of that is due to Alford and his hard-charging style. He is a tough guy to play for, but I think they've recovered nicely. Now, I'm not saying they're going to finish top four in the conference, but they ain't Air Force. No. And they're not San Jose. By the way, San Jose is better because they've got some good transfers in. But you get my point. They're not – like if people thought they were going to go, you know, 3-15 and 15 in conference, that ain't happening. They're going to be that, – that mix all the way down to nine, ninth place. And, and you know, Nevada's somewhere in there from fourth to ninth. I mean, even with all that stuff – Keenan Blackshear, Will Baker. It's a good it's a good court they had, man. Baker, yeah, and Blackshear is you gotta see Blackshear up close. He is a tough guy, big guy, multifaceted guy. Battleborn Sports Hour brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. You know, there's a bunch of reasons why. The company works so well because you guys are all different, all have different life experiences. Uh, before, Johnny Von Tobel, as some call him, um, was a member of the show. Well, you were early, uh, but you're back again now for a while. We didn't have a lot of kids talk. We didn't have a lot of family trials and <laughs> tribulations. I'm laughing, but it's not funny. Did you have a, a hospital visit at like 2 in the morning until early morning today? Yeah. Go ahead, so, Dad. So it wasn't like a hospital. So For those who don't know, and I, actually I do want to give them some kudos because they were awesome, uh, but they have a, they call it the ER at the Lakes. It's like a little 24-hour clinic that's up there. They want to say it's like DI in Fort Apache, somewhere in that area. Um, absolutely tremendous, except for the security guard. Can I just say this really quickly? So – my son, uh, for those who don't or aren't familiar with children, um, he came down with croup, which is a respiratory illness. And if it gets like severe enough, they really do have a lot of trouble breathing. And so in the middle of the night, it, luckily, uh, my older son, Diego, has had this. So we knew what it was. Um, but for the first time or for a kid waking up in the middle of the night, <laughs> like not being able to breathe and coughing like a seal, like it's pretty scary. And so, you know, we knew what it was, but he was having a lot of trouble breathing. So, like, all right, we'll bring him into this 24-hour clinic. So, I go in there, okay? Again, I bring my child in. It is 2.30 in the morning. As I'm bringing him in, he is again, like, gasping for breath, right? That's scary. Security guard sees me. I walk in. I go, hi. You know, I'm calm. I'm like, hey, you know, I'm here to bring my kid in. Okay, can you have a seat? Uh, they just brought somebody back, so uh, they'll be with you in a minute. And I'm like, 
again, I was calm, but I'm like, hey, man, I'm like, he's having trouble breathing. Do you think you could maybe ask them to, like, come out and, like, take a look at him now? The response from the security guard was, I'll see. <laughs> and I wanted to be like, you'll see. About my child struggling to get oxygen, you'll see. Sorry to make you get up, buddy. I really apologize for that. But it, it, and this is why they deserve, like, the actual staff, like the nursing staff was awesome. The second they heard him, there was actually a nurse that heard him because it was like an open area that he went back to. The second a nurse heard him, yeah, they hustle over within, because keep in mind, for a doctor experience, as we all know, it's not just with children. It's like 45 minutes before you're seeing somebody. Within 10 minutes, kid had the gas mask on that they were giving him the medicine. Like, had already seen the doctor, already had the medicine, and was getting what he needed. They were freaking awesome. But, yes, I was there. And then they have to keep you for observation. So we got there at about 2.15. I, we left at, like, 5.15. So I was there just pretty much all night, you know. And, of course, it's me. Isabel, my wife, is uh, the most call, like, calm, cool, and collected in high-stress situations. So she's, like, freaking out. Jonathan, Jonathan. I'm like, I'm getting dressed. Like, it's all right. We're going to take him. He's fine. But, you know, my back is – I'm getting old, too. So my back's all messed up from having to sit on a hospital bed with the kid falling asleep on my chest for, you know, three and a half hours in the middle of the night. If you don't have kids and you go out on a Saturday night, ZZ Thompson – I don't have a segue. ZZ Thompson nice. Town starting at the Venetian uh, for a week. We've got tickets middle of next week on the 7th. 8 o'clock show, ZZ Top, Legends in Rock and Roll. Ticketmaster.com is where you can get your tickets. Ari's got a pair right now. ZZ Top, Venetian. Grab some tickets. He's got a, a free pair, but go buy them. Ticketmaster.com, 364-1100, Call her 7. So can I just add, do we have time? Because I just want to add really quickly. So a lot of people think, because you made, you made the comment about, like, oh, if you, you want to go out on Saturday night if you don't have kids. So the, the, the misconception, I think, with children is that you never have any free time. I can go out on any Saturday night I want. I'm lucky enough my parents are here, so they'll watch them. We can go out whenever. The problem is my two children have had the same cough for like three months, and that is the irritating part about being a parent. I almost – I don't get irritated with them, but like we were driving back from Fresno when I brought them back on Monday, and we were driving in the middle of the night, and out of nowhere my older son goes, Bleh! and I'm like, ah! Like I just – I just in my head I'm like, really? Like I dropped you off with a cough. And you came back, and you still have it! It's, oh, it drives me nuts. The same, huh? Not the same. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presenting this hour of Cofield & Company. Call from anywhere in the state of Nevada. 766-1400. Leans and likes time. Coming up, Brad Powers, pro gambler. It's Cofield & Company's Eye on Sports Betting. With Brad Powers. Here he is, the man, the myth. He's a legend. He's a young guy, but he's still a legend. Uh, big winner in college football. We'll break down the title games here in a second. Brad Powers, how are you, buddy? Excellent. Thanks for having me. I have really enjoyed this college football season because of the craziness, and I know we've argued about this, and I've argued with other people. I do feel like college football is getting more balanced, and it's going to move in that direction. And this year, maybe you tell me, do you think this was an outlier year and we go right back to normal where – there's going to be super dominant teams, or did you like the balance and all the upsets this year? Yeah, I mean, it was I, – I had a winning season, so I enjoyed it. I mean, it always comes down to that. Uh, yeah, I, I would say there's certainly – I mean, some new blood in the playoffs is what we'll see. So anytime you can see get that, then, then I think it's good because obviously the sport has – it's always been top-heavy, but it's been more top-heavy 
in the last decade than, than any prior decade uh, previously in college football. So, I mean, if a TCU and a USC end up making the college football playoff, I thumbs up for me. Yeah, and, and plus it's the fact that, you know, you can have kind of the middle class of Power 5 college football teams are maybe better than they've been in the past, so they're dangerous. So, you, you know, we like last week we talked about, and they're not even in the middle class. They've had a bad year, but you know they have talent. The fact that LSU could not go out there and take out a Texas A&M, it's like you got to be aware every freaking week, and that's why I know you, you know you're often a dog player. Um, when things get a little out of control with that mentality on the better side, like of course they're going to win, they have to win, and this team's having a terrible <laughs> year. Most most programs have players, and if they're ready to go, they can pull an upset. Absolutely. So I mean, we certainly saw a rejuvenation of Pac-12. A lot of good teams there. Oregon State's a good team. Washington's a good team. Uh, you know, the Big 12's unbelievably competitively balanced. You want to talk about anybody being able to beat anybody on any given Saturday? Look at that conference. So. Yeah, it was a lot more competitive this year. It might be when I do some self-scouting in the offseason, it might be one of the reasons why I had a good season, that the fact that it was competitive. All right, let's get into these championship games. And, you know, we'll start uh, with basically every single game because we've got games coming up tomorrow and games I'm really interested in. Uh, I got to see the last couple of years North Texas and UTSA up close. What do you think of this one, uh, North Texas? I was going to say they can run the ball. They actually turned into more of a pa- passing team as the season went along, but uh, UTSA is nine. Yeah, they turned into a little bit of a passing team because they're top two running backs in the last couple of weeks. So they've had to rely a little bit more on the pass. We've seen a lot of money come in on the over. Believe it or not, I have not bet side or total here. Uh, if it creeps up another half tick to 70, and it has uh, at a few books in faraway places, I'm going to lean under uh, the, that total for this one. There are numbers going back a while, right? When Once that total gets to 70, the under is a pretty safe play, just in general. Uh, it's a good question. For a long time, the higher the, the they couldn't make totals high enough in college football. But you know, recent history, and by recent I mean the last couple of years, these totals once they hit seventy, they've actually been a good under bet. So completely different than what it was maybe ten years ago. Okay, I'm going to go off the beaten path here, right in game, only because it's a local story here in Las Vegas. UNLV needs some help with five wins to get to a bowl game. That help would be Akron pulling the upset on Buffalo. Buffalo's 11. Yeah, I don't think Akron can pull the outright upset, but I do think they cover the point spread. Now, if a lot of money's come in on Akron, I'm part of it. Uh, it's down to 11 from as high as 14.5 earlier this week, but uh, I'm going to leave with the zips. I, li- I like what I'm seeing from this program. They play their best game, and not only this year, but several years last week. And Buffalo's playing with that added pressure. They didn't handle it well at the end of last week's game. Can... A beat-up Utah team pull off the mild upset and to screw up the CFP for USA? Uh, it's a tough one. I mean, we've seen it bouncing back and forth. A lot of money came in on Utah yesterday to get that off of key number three. We're starting to see a little bit of buyback as we're doing this show right now on USC. It's a fair number at two and a half. I, I, I can't get to the window unless I had three shows up. And by window, I, I would take Utah plus three as a lean, but Piece of bet for me only. I, it's, look, I, I think if there's anything 50-50 calls-wise, I'm not saying if there's anything nefarious going on, but I would expect USC to get that 50-50 call. All right, Big 12 title game. I always like these kind of conversations, Brad, because uh, this is a really good team in TCU that has covered a lot of numbers despite the market coming in against them every single week. And here we are now under a field goal, two and a half, or there's some ones and twos out there with a total of 62. 
Yeah, I'm going to go against them again. I mean, heck, you look at last week's final. I mean, they went 62-14. to 14. You think, well, yeah, there's that TCU that everybody's been talking about. The reality is, yeah, it's the same TCU that we've been talking about as far as the pros betting against them because despite the fact that they won a game by 48 points, they only outgained Iowa State by 47 yards. So I, I just – you cannot continue to put that those types of box scores up and not sooner or later – get the brunt of it. And look, I mean, there's a situational, you know, if SC somehow loses on Friday night, I'm not even sure TCU needs to win on Saturday to make the playoffs. So will there still be a sense of urgency if that's the case? Regardless of that, Kansas State, I thought, was the right side when the two teams played the first time. Kansas State was up 18. They, you know, had to go to a third-string quarterback for a couple drives in the second half. Uh, Will Howard's played well. I expect him, to, you know, to, to obviously be the starter here, and he's, you know, he's done his part, and he did his part against TCU in the first game until he got banged up. I, what I'm getting at here is I'm, I'm going to take Kansas State, team that doesn't turn the football over, can, can run the ball, play good defense. TCU playing for a playoff spot, yeah, give me Kansas State. All right, what about the? Uh, I can't think of a clever way to say it, the Mac Championship, uh, Ohio and Toledo. Uh, <laughs> it didn't really work. Uh, three right now is the number, total of 55. Ohio's been an awesome cover team, but, of course, uh, Curtis Rourke got injured the other week, so he's not going to be out there, as we know, done for the season. Does that affect them in this game here? Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough, but you know what? It, it's, you know, on a streak, we can win multiple weeks in a row and only lose once. And this is a team, Ohio, that's covered eight in a row and a Toledo team that's failed to cover five in a row. I think Ohio is better coached. Ohio hasn't won the max since 1968, believe it or not. Uh, plus three for me. Mountain West Championship. Before the season started, I bet Fresno State to win this thing at 3-1. to one. Uh, Then into this conference, I was like, ooh, boy, I don't think I'm going to get there. Luckily, I'm here because of what's happened with Jake Hainer. Am I going to be able to cash my ticket against Boise State, who's a three-point favorite with a total of 54? Yeah, I think you will. I, I like Fresno State quite a bit. See, I, a lot of these I'm meandering because there's some better num- numbers are tighter, and there are some better numbers available on Sunday and Monday that are gone. I mean, this is one that I bet Fresno State plus four and a half. Uh, sure, I'd still lean that way plus three. You mentioned that the mispricing here, that being Fresno State played, you know, four or five games without their <laughs> their best player, Jay Kaner, one of the best players, if not the best player in the in the entire conference. They won seven in a row. They're playing their best ball and. Look, the gambling gods give us and take us away when it comes to Boise State. They certainly gave all their backers a gift last week with that phenomenal cover, much to my dismay. They, they take it away this week. Fresno State wins outright against Boise. I think Hanner's been awesome. I think if you look at what, how the way he's played the last couple of weeks, he's been absolutely fantastic. Brad, I think we lost you. I'll reset it for you. I've got a preseason Fresno State 3-1 to to win the Mountain West ticket. Uh, what are my chances looking like here against Boise State? They're a three-point underdog. Yeah, I, uh, I like Fresno State here, plus three. I think you got a great chance of winning that game outright. Uh, Fresno obviously mispriced because of the fact that Hayner missed so many games. Since uh, he came back, I can make Sean Case as the best team in the Mountain West, and they'll prove it on Saturday. Yes, I like it. All right, LSU-Georgia. This number's up to 17.5, total of 52.5, and, and oh boy, Jaden Daniels seen in a walking boot this week. Yeah, but he's been, you know, practicing, so... Uh, yeah, the number, if he's, he's not going to be 100%, obviously. But if you told me he was 80%, I think his number's a little rich. Anything above 17, I'm leaning with LSU. 
Clemson, North Carolina. I feel like everybody, Brad, and maybe you can, maybe I'm wrong about this. I feel like we're getting lost in the conversation about DJU and the Clemson offense, and not talking enough about a secondary that is susceptible to some pretty big plays. Taking on UNC, who can generate some pretty big plays. They can, but they really haven't. I mean, the last couple of weeks, to me, it looks like yeah. Drake Mays run out of gas. He's, I mean, put the team on his shoulders all season long. They won six straight close games. Now they lost a pair, and he can't run. He. You know, as much as what he was, and he had back-to-back his worst passing performances. To me, in a game where I question the motivation, both teams limp into it, what, what can I, you know, focus on and what can I trust the most? And that would be Clemson's defensive front and Will Shipley at running back. So give me Clemson. Wouldn't the ultimate chaos in this whole thing with the CFP be LSU bouncing back and playing like, you know, top-notch LSU and pulling the upset on Georgia? They're getting a big number, though. Yeah, I mean, they could, but uh, I don't see it. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason why it's 17 happened. When you dive into LSU's schedule, they were very fortunate to be here. I mean, this is a team that got unbelievably outplayed against Auburn, won on the final play uh, against Alabama, the two-point conversion, give Kelly credit for that call. And then I think they lose to Arkansas. K.J. Jefferson plays that game. Remember, he sat out, and they still almost lost the game to the backup quarterback. So, uh, yeah, LSU doesn't win, but – you can may, you can talk me into them covering the seventeen and a half. Purdue play tight against Michigan. Yeah, you know I am gonna. I, I like that one uh, of the two big dogs. I would prefer that one now, especially with Blake Horm. He's out for the season. Mozzie Smith, the outstanding defensive tackle for Michigan. Uh, you know, felonious weapon charges. So uh, without those two guys, I'm not sure Michigan should be laying seventeen, especially off a big time performance against our rival. Do they want margin? I got to question that. So Purdue for me plus seventeen. Uh, and also my favorite trend. Uh, I love short sample size trends. Jeff Brom is three and zero against top three teams <laughs> in the country. So there we go. He Brad is a Powers. good solid coach. And another factor. Yep. Uh, you don't have to worry about weather with Purdue. So, you know, passing offense with it being in the dome. Brad Powers at Brad Powers seven up on Twitter. BradPowersSports.com. Uh, last minute here. I always love following you and picks during the FCS finish to the season i think there's some gems out there and some poor lines are you on anyone i, I noticed that incarnate word against Furman looks like they said a poor number to start you got anything <laughs> yeah i'm on top of that. i laid four it's 10 now i mean i i wouldn't lay the 10 now but yeah that's me good call you you know seeing that you know what the one i kind of like uh right now at low total getting a lot of points so you can play defense delaware if you can find plus 19 and a half plus 20 certainly that's worth a bet and you got a leaner like on uh patriots and bills tonight uh, lean Bills, or actually lean Patriots now that it's gone to four here. I'm going to take the Patriots plus four. Brad, you're awesome, man. Sorry about the uh, tech issue there. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Take care, guys. Thanks Brad, for having me. Brad Power 7 on Twitter. Do you get into the FCS stuff? <laughs> no? No. Brad's a good guy to follow, he, especially for line value. Like that, he's done really well. Like when you, when you get his stuff and you see his record for FCS, he is, that's where the books are beatable. There's just there's so much to freaking crunch in terms of numbers for him. Oh, and that's and that's not a mocking scoff. I just wish I had time to get more into that stuff. I do not. Clearly not. <laughs> Seventy-seven cent beer start up here in about fifteen minutes. Kickoff of Thursday night football, Bills and Patriots. You got a play on the game? Uh, no, I didn't have anything here tonight. In game though, well, always opportunities when you're watching it later tonight. Thanks to Silver Sevens. By the way, every Thursday starting at six, gift card giveaway tonight, six to ten thirty every half hour. 
$100 gift card given away to A-Play players. So come down, sign up for the A-Play card, and get involved for all these giveaways.